If you found uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, that's where we'll be camping the first 15 verses. Before we get into that, I want to uh, show you a couple of teams here, and I want you to give me your thoughts on what you think about or what you see when you see a team like this. Oh, that's good. Yes, feel free to hoot and holler and cheer or boo if, um, if uh, that's what they deserve, right? So here you might think of champions, discipline, hard work, right? Uh, and then there's, there's other teams as well, and they're, they, they're probably okay. But what about this? When you see a team like this... Right, right, not bad. Uh, you know, they might be a bunch of whiners, you know, never win nothing, uh, you know, something like that. And then there's, 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 there's these guys, and, um, you know, any thoughts there? Any thoughts there? Maybe a little bit rough, not, not so talented, way too much money, right, right? Okay, and then, and then there's, there's these guys. Where's the security in this place, man? Get these guys out of here. Uh, I was just going to say small, small, small. Okay? And then, and then maybe, um, maybe this one here, these guys. All right. And, uh, but we, we have impressions, right, of people and of teams, and maybe, uh, maybe you don't like sports, but I'm pretty sure all of you guys went to school at one point, and maybe uh, if you think of a school or you think of um, a team at a school, and whether you're a parent or one of those crazy sports parents that'd be like, oh, I don't like that school. You know, they're a little bit big, they're a little bit tough, you know, a uh, bunch of whiners, cheaters. Um, but... What would they say about Team Jesus? Let's say for the purpose of this sermon that this is the logo of Team Jesus, okay? We'll just, we'll just use that for an example today. Um, don't let me lose you here. Uh, but what would they say? What do you think people think of when they think of Team Jesus? We'll come back to that. Uh, let's go right to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 15. We're going to start right here in verse 1. It says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. Hey, this is a great place for us to stop and to pray. Is there anybody in this room? In fact, I know there's people in this room because I've talked to some of you. They're experiencing trouble. Is there anyone in this room that feels poor today? I love the word but <laughs> in, uh, in the Bible. Because there's something more. They were also filled with abundant joy. There's abundant joy to be had in the midst of trials. By the grace of God, you can have joy. Don't let your enemy steal your joy. 
So we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask you guys to pray with me. And when I say pray with me, I actually want you to pray. Because there's people in this room, you might be one of them, that are experiencing trouble. You probably know a friend, you probably know a family member that is in trouble. Or maybe somebody that is poor. And so would you pray for them? You can pray out loud, you can pray silently, you can pray along with me as we just come to the Lord in prayer and ask for his spirit to lead us, to open up the word, and to also meet us where we're at. And fill us with joy. And so let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just want to give you thanks that uh, we can be here to worship you today. God, and no doubt in a place like this, there are people that are in trouble. They're experiencing affliction that have severe trials and that are poor. And so, God, we want to lift them up. We pray that they would be filled with the joy of knowing you. The salvation that is for each man and woman because of your son, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to fill this place. Illuminate the word so that our hearts and our minds be led to walking closer with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. There's something else that I heard in that last verse that we just read. But they were also filled with abundant joy, which overflowed in rich generosity. Before that, they were tested by many troubles. Some translations say severe trials, a severe test of affliction, and they were poor. And then again, another version says extreme, experiencing extreme poverty. What I hear is that joy can be found in the absence of money. Verse 3, For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. I feel like Paul is like, I really need to tell somebody this. You know, they're going to write a letter. Um, and so he did. That's what this is. This is a letter. And I don't know when it's the last time you read um, a letter that came in the mail called Snail Mail, right? But only if Paul had Instagram. That's the way to communicate, right? And so actually I even thought uh, as I was sitting there, I was like, man, I wonder what Tyler, what Tyler's Instagram is saying about us. We should, we should check it out. Uh, Tyler conveniently left the room. Um, but I think Paul, in his Instagram, I think he would say something. I think it would go something like this. Hey, you guys aren't going to believe this, but the grace of God here in Macedonia is thick. You're not going to believe what Team Jesus is like out here. I'm in Macedonia, and I'm just here to tell you that I think these guys really love the Lord. But 
they're poor. They're so poor, they're poor, right? And so, yeah, right, it's crazy. It's because not crazy like cuckoo crazy, but like crazy awesome faith here. They're so poor, okay, they, they, don't, they don't got stuff for themselves. But there's something different about these people. They have hope. It's like they know that they're loved. I think this is what it means to be alive in Jesus. And they want to help with our collection. They want to help with those in Jerusalem. Because they're in famine and they gave even more than they could afford. And get this, I didn't even have to ask them. Hey, I got to go. Some people are begging me for stuff, so peace out. That bonus material is only available on our Instagram account uh, in the GPAC Emerging Adults. So if you want to go there, feel free. Uh, our first point is that generosity has nothing to do with wealth. You know, despite the Macedonian Christians, uh, their circumstance, they were in a big trouble. They were not doing well and they had no money. But their joy of knowing Jesus and belonging to Jesus overflowed. They gave according to their means and even beyond. They didn't even have to be asked. I don't know about you, whether it's around the house, around the church, you know, in our communities, but if I'm not asked, I probably ain't doing it. But it just sounds like Paul had to tell somebody about these people. There's something different in the air. He couldn't wait to share. Paul had to testify. And I believe that God is saying that today to us as well. That this kind of life is possible. That these Christians had such joy that this kind of grace that this kind of love, that this kind of generosity exists today. Joy can be ours, church. Are you stuck in your circumstance? Are you poor? Are you feeling like you're losing a, feel like you're in a losing battle? The, the Christians in Macedonia, they found joy more than they could handle, even in the midst of trouble in the midst of being poor. Somehow, in the midst of that, they remembered that they crossed from death to life. It's like they were saying, I'm going to be all right. What happened next is also crazy. Not like cuckoo crazy, but again, crazy awesome. Verse 4, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift of the believers in Jerusalem. They even did far more than we had hoped. First, their first action, sorry, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to. When's the last time you or somebody you know begged for something? When was the last time you begged God for something that was outside of yourself? Here's what they did. They gave. 
and they gave generously. But more importantly, here's why they did it. They found joy. You know the kind of joy like you figure out that you're going to be okay? That when you were supposed to die, you're actually going to live? When you found out that you weren't sick anymore? When you found out that you belong, that you made the team, that you made Team Jesus? Have we forgotten this? Moving on to verse 5, they say, They did even more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, as God wanted them to do. This one was kind of funny for me because it's like, well, they gave themselves to us. What is like, they gave themselves to their leaders. It made sense that because they knew Jesus and they accepted the free gift of grace, the forgiveness of their sins through their son, through God's son, Jesus Christ, that they offered themselves. But beyond that, they offered themselves to their leaders, to their church. They lined up. They formed a line and they asked, what can we do? What do you need? How can I give? Where can I help? Can I just say we love it when you do this? And there are many of you that do that for our church, and we're just so thankful. We're thankful that you're on the team. Thank you that you're part of the game. You know, when they say they, they gave themselves to the Lord, this is the true principle of giving. There's a dynamic difference that God's grace makes in believers. Offering your life and all you have to Jesus is significant. And Paul would call this being a living sacrifice in Romans chapter 12. How does God's grace make a difference in your life today? Now, don't take too long to think about this. This is not a time to be humble. It's when we, because when we boast, we boast in Jesus. What does God's grace change in your life? What difference does it make today? Or maybe you forgot. Maybe you forgot like the Israelites forgot. They were freed from being Hebrew slaves. There's nothing worse than being a Hebrew slave. And they were freed from it. It's like, let me tell you how bad my job is. I'm not saying for me, okay? This is an example, okay? It's like, let me tell you how bad my job is. It's like, at least you're not a Hebrew slave. That's, what, that's how bad being a Hebrew slave is. They were freed from slavery, yet they're in the wilderness and they're grumbling. And it said that at least in Egypt, when I was a Hebrew slave, we had food to eat. They were experiencing freedom and acting as if they were in bondage. They were looking back at their bondage and thinking that they were free. Maybe you forgot. Maybe you forgot that you were once bound, but now you're free. You were once lost, but now you are found. Maybe you forgot you were on the outside, but now you belong. That we were condemned, but now we are saved. The act of giving and a generous life 
is an outworking of your faith. If you're not giving, is it possible that maybe you forgot? I'm going to do something crazy here. We're going to jump down to verse 10. So uh, don't worry, I won't be skipping uh, the middle part because it's so good, but I'm going to save the best for last, okay? And so we're going to go on to our second point, and it's just give. We're going to start at verse 10. And this, uh, this point actually is the exact words that I asked a leader over me when I was asking about, like, how do I give or why should I give? And he said, just do it. didn't give me a number. He didn't say, you know, put this many zeros behind it. He just said, just do it. And so Paul has some advice here in verse 10. It starts, here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. So, like, should I give, like, my net or my gross? What if, like, somebody gives me 50 bucks? Do I got to give five bucks to somebody? Just give. You once gave, and you were generous, is what Paul said to this family that he knew. He knew them. He was telling them about this relationship, and he knew what they were doing a year ago. He knew their enthusiasm as a church, as Team Jesus down there. The Corinth church was the first to volunteer, to give, to help Jerusalem when they were in need. But somehow they got distracted. They had their own problems to think about, there was probably church politics happening. Not like that happens. And then they stopped giving. Have we been there before? Maybe we can call it giving fatigue. Or maybe our hearts have become hard to giving. Can I share with you that, that I've been there? I used to work for a parachurch organization uh, that helped people on the margins, people that um, needed help. And so I was um, helping. I was part of a team that would help um, distribute donations and to serve those who needed help. And uh, I, was, I was disappointed. I was discouraged because I found out that some of the people that came and used, got things from us, that they were selling our donations. And I guess I wasn't just frustrated. I was like angry, man. I was like, dude, you, what? This is not what I got here for, to do. They, they probably used it to probably do some of the things that we're trying to help them not to do. And I was not happy. So I went to my supervisor, and I was not happy. And I just said to him, like, what are we doing here? These people are taking advantage of us. This is not how I would want this to go. 
And my supervisor said to me, he's like, Wes, there are always going to be people that take advantage of you. But we do it because we love them. We do it because God has called us to. I don't think God here is asking us to manage the kingdom finances. To be, know exactly where every dollar goes and make sure that it does this or that. And if it doesn't do that, then we've got to change this or that. This is not what God is asking us to do. He's just asking us to give. Verse 13, of course, I don't mean your giving should, take, should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now you have plenty and can help those that are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. The word for tithe in Hebrew literally means one-tenth. And that's what I think God wants us to give. Is to give one-tenth of what we earn, net, gross, bank account, whatever. In a word of a wise brother, he just said, just give. And today, maybe that's what God is asking us, is just give. I want to share with you a, a short story of a son who's very resentful and bitter towards his mother and towards the church. When he asked, when he was asked about his memories of the church and what the church, when he thinks of it, what does, what does he think of? He thinks of that's the place where my mom spent most of the week. More days there than she did at home, where she hosted gatherings and where she gave a lot of money. Far more time and commitment and money to the church than to even her own family. And unfortunately, this is a true story. And unfortunately, that's a true story that happens way too much. If this is you, or this is your experience, can I say I'm sorry? If you're tuning in online, if you're here sitting with us, thank you for being here. It's not easy for every person to come to the church of experiences like this. But let me tell you that in 2 Corinthians, this is not how giving works. That's not how giving was supposed to be. When done with the boundaries that God has given us in 2 Corinthians right here, this is how the family is supposed to work. This is how Team Jesus works. We were designed to live in community, to take care of each other as a team and as a family. And Paul closes this chunk of verses quoting Exodus. This is the part in the movie, The Prince of Egypt, after that Mariah Carey song, you know, and where God is giving them bread in the morning and meat at night. 
Verse 15, as the scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Paul reminds us that God took care of his people and how they are to take care of each other. All right, into the, the best part. We're going to jump back to verse 6. Verse 6, so, he, so we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love for us, I want you also to excel in this gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it to the eagerness of other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Point number three is we give because he first gave. He being Jesus, God, the Trinity, the Godhead. Paul makes reference here to 1 Corinthians talking about spiritual gifts that were given to followers of Jesus from the Holy Spirit. So like faith, speech, and knowledge. Paul is saying to us as followers of Jesus, to those followers of Jesus as well, is to also excel in giving too. But wait, there's verse 8, everybody. I am not commanding you. What? You just told us that we should give, and now it's, I'm not commanding you? I don't get it. I think I'm getting confused here. But he drops the love card after. It's like, but I am testing how genuine your love is. Genuine love. Do we love Jesus? Of course we do. We always say it. We say it all the time. We actually tell other people that Jesus loves them. True generosity doesn't come from a command. If we just do it when we're told to, aren't we just checking a box? Maybe we won't get in trouble with the wife. Maybe so people will get off our back. True love is selfless. And spontaneous. And we close with verse 9. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. I feel like in the beginning it should be like, you know, right? Or don't you know? I'm going to read Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. I'm going to invite um, the team to join me as well as we um, move into a time of response. It's like, God, what are you asking us to do? Let me remind you what it meant for God, who was rich, became poor for our sake. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, 
Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the highest place, the highest honor, and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess, every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I thought we were talking about giving here. What does God coming down in a bod have to do with giving? It has everything to do with giving. It has everything to do with everything. It is why we love. It's why we're sitting here today. It's why you would forgive your neighbor. It's why you would hold the door open for somebody. It's why that you would give somebody a ride. It's why you would invite them to church. Because God did this for us. If we can't be generous with our money, how are we going to be generous with our life? Generosity is one of the ways that we work out our faith. It has nothing to do with wealth. God just wants us to give. And we pray that we didn't forget. This is why we gave, because God gave us. While we were still sinners, he came after us. He pursued us because he loves us. So what are people going to say about Team Jesus? You know what's awesome is when you join Team Jesus, and we hope you do, is that you get the jersey. You're part of the team, absolutely. But are you on the bench? You're just warming a spot? Or are you in the game? Are you giving? Because when you give, you're part of the game. You're in the action. You don't give because it's an admission to play. You don't pay to come to this church or to any church. But it's an outflowing of joy that we give because I don't want to be on the bench. When we see yellow roses on the stage, when we talk about Alpha, when we talk about day camp and all of the things that we get to do as Team Jesus, Are you on the bench, like, cheering us on? We need that, but we need more than that. God has called us to be in the game, to stand up, to line up. How can I help? What can I do? What can I give? Because when you see those roses, if you're new to this church or not familiar with the roses, we need to see more of these things because it, this church is a tradition that a yellow rose represents a new life in Christ. 
Whether that's happened in the kids' wing, whether that's happened uh, in the community as we had coffee with somebody or someone came to the building needing help and they found Jesus, we put a rose up here so that we can give glory to God. And I hope that it's not, you're just not on the bench. But when you give, when you offer yourselves, your fingerprint is on that rose. Your fingerprint is on the lives that got changed, the recommitments, the people that have followed Jesus and made a decision. Our international workers, your fingerprints are all over that. They will know we are Christians by our love, right? Is that true? If I were to ask somebody, if you go and ask, if you ask your friends, text your friends, it's like, what do you think of Christians? What do you think they say? It's the first thing that they say. Christians are so loving, so generous. How about so judgmental? That's what I heard. You know the best place to be judgmental is? Is on the bench. When you're looking, look at those guys. When I think about those Christians. I think about those people who are not Christians. We invite you today. Grab the jersey. Get in the game. Give generously. Today, two postures as we respond. giving today. The question is not to give or not to give. Pretty clear here. The question is where? How? Are we going to be like them and beg? Beg God, where do you want me to be? What do you want me to do? Where do I need to give? Where do I need to step into? So let's just take a couple minutes. If you would take a posture of asking God.
Amen. Thank you. Thank you for that music. Thank God for music. It's what you came for. Uh, I thank you that we have this time to be together, to be the family of God. And when I say, like, maybe you forgot, I don't mean like, like you recklessly forgot, you know, but we get busy. And sometimes we get distracted. And this is a great place to be reminded. Your giving is a great reminder is that my life was paid for. I invite you guys to stand with me. Next week, we will be uh, taking communion. We do that regularly to remind ourselves, to be reminded of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to close with this benediction from Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you with one voice, that you with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Bless each other and bless our community as you go.